We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast, sponsored by BetMGM. Make sure you're using our promo code BetRoto, B-E-T-R-O-T-O, BetRoto, uh, if you're betting on BetMGM.com or the BetMGM app. Uh, John, we have a doozy of a week three in the NFL coming at us. Uh, you and I were just discussing off air. I mean, this is this is a potential bloodbath. Uh, we thought week one was rough. I know for a lot of people, week two uh, was a bit of a doozy in its own right, but uh, I saw a tweet the other day that we have more road favorites this week than we've had since quote at least 2003, as in like the data doesn't even go back that far. Like it's been 20 years since we've had a week like this, and you know even the the big road favorites that we have, for example, the Chiefs, you know, at Indy, uh, the Bengals at the Jets, those aren't gimmies. There's no gimmies this year, and you know the first thing I want to ask you is you know we do have six undefeated teams through two weeks. That is a pretty low number. We only have one matchup between undefeated teams in week three. That's Bills Dolphins. Does it feel like maybe other than the Buffalo Bills, there's just more parity than you can remember in the NFL right now? Yeah. The, and uh, go, going back to the 2003 comment, you know, like, I'm just, I'm picturing like cave paintings of like <laughs> uh, 2000, like uh, St. Louis Rams, you know, minus six and a half against the Vikings or, so, or something. And, uh, you know, things of that nature. But yeah, no, as far as the, just the sheer lack of dominant teams, mm-hmm. you know, it, just that the truth serum, it makes me think that like the, the Philadelphia Eagles might be the second best team in football. And, and I got to just be like that, that, that means that something is, is horribly awry. And, mm-hmm. and like Jalen Hurts is playing great. Uh, the offseason acquisition of AJ Brown looks like it's, you know, working out as, as well as they could have hoped they got Devonte Smith more involved last week, everything like that. But it's like, how are the, how do the Eagles pass the eye test to the extent to where they're the second best team in football right now? And, and, you know, we, we've seen like this week in terms of line movement. And I think this is very reflective of the two offenses, but like uh, Bucks Packers opened up at like 48 and a half or something. We're down like a full touchdown in that oh, game. Yeah. I mean, like, just the the scoring around the league. I, th- I think you and Jeff were talking about it on, on Monday's show, where where is ten per- it's down scoring is down ten percent league yep. wide right now. That that is just massive. And you know, I understand 
early season, you know, people aren't playing full preseason, play, aren't playing their starters, so that you can understand a little bit of rust, but like 10% is a pretty staggering figure. So, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it does feel strange. It does feel like there really isn't that that sheer dominant team. I think the the, the Chiefs, they haven't, the drop-off hasn't been extreme, but Jim Coventry brought up a good point to me on, on, on XM the other day where, you know, he noted that, yes, they, they looked great against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals did all the big no-nos that, you, that you're not supposed to do against the uh-huh. Chiefs, whereas the, the Chargers kind of gave them a, a bit more of a, a difficult look, and it, it slowed the offense a little bit. So I still like the, the Chiefs and, and feel like they are right in that Super Bowl discussion. But, yeah, I mean, it, it feels like it's the Bills and everyone else right now. It really does. And, you know, to go back to what you mentioned on Monday, you know, the, the scoring being down, it's a lot of the marquee offenses for the last couple of years are the ones that are the culprits, right? I mean, it's the Detroit Lions are, are second in the league in points right now, but you got the Buccaneers, the Bengals, the Packers, the Broncos, the Vikings, uh, the Titans, who were the one seed last year, uh, Dallas, Indianapolis, all those teams right now are in the bottom half of the league in total points through two weeks. So, uh, you know, a lot of it is just teams that we thought would be better on offense coming out a little bit more slowly. I mean, the Buccaneers have two touchdowns through two weeks. That is a a huge surprise. And I I don't think that's going to get any better anytime soon with the injuries that they have uh, on the offensive line and especially at receiver. But we'll dive into Bucks Packers in a little bit. Uh, I want to look back briefly on week two. We did hit some of our props. You know, I had Aaron Jones anytime touchdown, Christian Kirk anytime touchdown. I mean, Christian Kirk getting in the end zone. That just feels like a layup at this point. Uh, You hit Lamar. (laughs) Over 19 and a half completions. That was another game where the Ravens had to rely uh, on throwing the ball to rack up a a ton of points. But like I said, only six undefeated teams remain in the NFL. And it it just, it it makes for, for, you know, really difficult handicaps week to week. And, you know, a lot of these teams, like I was, I was prepared to go all in on Cincinnati. I didn't think there would be any sort of Super Bowl loser hangover. I, I thought their skill position guys would just be overwhelming week to week. And, you know, looking at the schedule uh, several weeks ago or months ago, you're thinking, all right, week three against the Jets. You know, that's going to be like, that could be like 40 to seven in favor of the Bengals. And, you know, now they're one of those teams that like, they really need to prove something to us here in week two. But um, let's start with our two teams. The Jags obviously wiped the floor with the Colts. They're the top oh, of the yeah. town right now, 24, nothing. That game was not competitive whatsoever. You know, I, I, I want to tread lightly in talking about the Ravens who were, were one of the, the three victims of, you know, literally historic comebacks mm-hmm. in terms of how statistically unlikely they were. Yes. And, and you know, for, first of all, again, uh, credit to the Jags, kudos to the Jags yeah. uh, that yeah. continuing again, one of the, the stranger things in football where uh, Indianapolis, there, there seems to be a force field around Jacksonville when, when they try to go into what the artist formerly known as Altel Stadium and, and try to escape with, with a yeah. victory. Uh, that's it, it simply just doesn't happen. Uh, as it comes with the Ravens, you know, their, their run game is so bad. You know, you have Kenyon Drake, you have Justice Hill, who, who you know, missed all of last year with an Achilles. Uh, you have what's left of Mike Davis and you have an offensive line that, that's missing some key pieces. And so when you have a 21 point lead, it doesn't feel safe because you simply can't run the ball unless it's Lamar Jackson. And they had there was a couple like pivotal sequences that that just didn't go the Ravens' way. You know, Lamar Jackson at the goal line getting getting uh, his touchdown called back, and then there, there was a, a third down play throw to Isaiah Likely, and the play kind of was strung out in a way that 
it, it looked like he was getting called dead. And it's sort of, if you look at just the, the body language on, on a lot of the players, it almost looked like a dead play, but it, it ended up not being. Lamar Jackson throws the ball to Isaiah Likely, who actually had, had a decent game to that point, drops a key third down, ball goes back to the Dolphins. And, and you know, we know what, what happens from there uh, because the Ravens, they also, not, in addition to not being able to run the ball, they can't generate a pass rush. They just uh, signed Jason Pierre-Paul this week. So, we'll, I mean, that's something, but it, at the same time, you, you're relying so much on Odafe Owe and, and Justin Houston, and there's really nothing else coming in as far as the, the pass rush depth. And you, you play that many snaps for those big guys, like there's just diminishing returns. So um, it's, and that, of course, leads to the secondary getting burned because there's no pass rush coming. And, and I, I think the Dolphins were kind of like the worst type of team to be playing in that type of setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Patriots, very different. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that one. But yes, the, the Ravens, they're a good team. They're, they're not going to play. If they play their game, they're not going to lose to bad teams. But I think they have the type of issues right now to where you can't really trust them against quality opponents either. The secondary is shockingly poor. Uh, it was mm-hmm. unbelievably bad against Miami. Uh, you know, Kyle Hamilton, a prospect that I love coming out of Notre Dame, he was lost on a he few of those bad. plays. He, he doesn't look good. You can kind of tell, I think, from from some postgame comments that I think a lot of the blame for those late touchdowns was was falling uh, on Kyle Hamilton. It, it's it's tough for us as a fan to watch and just think, like, how do you, you know, go? this goes back to middle school football. Like, just nothing behind you. Don't let anybody behind you. Of all people, Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. And it just it happened, what, three times in the fourth quarter. Uh, an unbelievable collapse by Baltimore. But like you said, there were there were more factors other than that defense. Some kind of fluky plays in that game. The the Lamar touchdown that was reversed, that to me was like the longest reversal of all time. Like I, I saw that happen on red zone. And then like 25 minutes later, I check and they had removed it. I'm like what happened here? Like that, that, I thought they already kicked the extra point. I thought they already kicked off. Uh, and yeah, for, for whatever reason, they felt the need uh, to put that one under a microscope, but uh, a confluence of events, you know, leading to, to that demise for the Ravens. Um, you know, what, what was your overall worst call? Do you think uh, of week two? I, I have plenty, but what were yours? Um, I, I thought that the Bengals would, would go in and, and uh, just kind of right the ship, essentially. And, and uh, they they certainly did not. They, there's some really concerning stuff for them. Um, I thought the Raiders in it. I was more so just trying to to bury the Cardinals completely. Um, so I, I figured that, you know, even with the line movement, get, jumping from like two and a half for the Raiders up to like five and a half on game day. And I felt good about it, and it looked good for for a long time until, of course, it didn't. Things went, got really crazy at the end of that game. But but back in the Raiders, um, that obviously burned me pretty badly. And then the Steelers, rat line of the week. You sniffed it out. Uh, you you knew oh, yeah. that like a blood yeah, out. You, yeah, truly. I mean, a, impressive stuff. Uh, there there Watson and and uh, yeah, it's just. It, it was proof positive that you just can't really trust uh, the, the Steelers and Mitchell Trubisky, even at home as as uh, underdogs against this Patriots team. So I felt uh, very duped and very uh, donkey-ish for, for backing the Steelers uh, in, in week two against the Patriots, even when that line was as fishy as it was. In your defense, I believe you did identify it as a potential donkey pick. So mm-hmm. you kind of you knew what you were getting yourself into, uh, but you, you ended up beating the trash anyway. Understandable, self-fulfilling um, donkey. See, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I blindly picked against the Jaguars. I was I was kind of 
I still had a bad taste in my mouth from some of the atrocities that we witnessed against the commanders in week one. And had I known Michael Pittman and, and Shaq Leonard wouldn't play, uh, by the way, still, I still have to remind myself like hard every time it's not Darius Leonard. Uh, had I known that I think I would have taken the Jags to cover, but I sure as hell wasn't going to pick them outright. And I, I wasn't going to pick them to win by 24 points in that mm-hmm. game. So they've, they've thrown me into a tizzy. I don't know what to expect. Uh, and we'll break down Jags chargers in a little bit, a game with some just monster variables on the Chargers side. I too was all over the Bengals. I, I'm still on the Bengals this week. I refuse to believe that their offense is, is as impotent as it's looked. I thought for sure this would be a get right game, but Man, that offensive line, 13 sacks now on Joe Burrow in the last two weeks. And they, they could have had more. I mean, he was he was scrambling for his life a couple times uh, throughout that game against Dallas. But, yeah, the Bengals are a mess. Um, I also wrote in my my beating the book, my weekly picks column, that uh, the Seahawks would would be a team that would put up a fight every week. They're, they're not going to be an easy out. That was not true at all. <laughs> uh, they put up no fight whatsoever against the 49ers. Um, so, you know, that they're one of those teams, too, that oh, – you know, and this happens every year, but a lot of what you see in week one, you you, you think is definitive, right? And, uh, you know, I thought, wow, Seattle, what? Pulling off the win against a really good Denver team. So one, we see what Denver looks like in week two. And all, all of a sudden mm-hmm. that win doesn't look quite as impressive. And two, you know, I, I'm starting to think Seattle in a lot of ways was just kind of running on anti-Russell Wilson fumes in week one. That, that's uh, powerful we, gas, but, you it know, is, it burns it quick. Is. Gas, baby. And <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I, I think they... I think they're probably closer to the team that we saw in week two. And, you know, if you're a a DK Metcalf fantasy owner, uh, which I may be in a league or two, uh, it's not looking good right now. The Geno Smith experience. I think when he started the year 18 of 19 passing since then, it's just been a sharp, sharp decline. Um, But let's, let's go to the other side of this. What were some of your best calls? Let's try to pump ourselves up here before we we move on to week three. What were your best calls last week? So, uh, Dolphins, basically, you know, the reversal of your feelings on the Jags going into last week. So, but whereas your pessimism led you down the wrong path, mine led me down the correct path. Um, it, it in a very it, roundabout way. Yes, it, it took a minute. Uh, it took forty-five minutes, really, but um, it, it ended up happening uh, with, with the Dolphins. Um, the Buccaneers. I understood where where a lot of the logic was coming from. Where where the the Tom Brady Buccaneers era. It hasn't gone particularly well in New Orleans, especially in the regular season. They won that playoff game a few years back, but otherwise, uh, everyone seemed to be like, "Oh, this Bucks team they they looked shaky. They they got these injuries. There's that history. Uh, the hilarious Marshawn Lattimore and and Mike Evans feud continued, of course, everything like that. But um, I still felt like the Saints were a team that, that was a good one to to bet against. And that ended up uh, playing out pretty well. I thought that the Packers were, were going to smoke the Bears. I, I didn't want to take too much away from their week one no-show in Minnesota. That They certainly showed up on that Sunday night game. Could have been worse even, I, I really felt like. And then uh, the Texans, um, just because there was too many points to be trusting with uh, this current uh, Broncos team. And it, it seems like the odds makers have adjusted. And, and uh, you know now, now we see where the Broncos are uh, home underdogs against uh, a a you know te- technically speaking a, a backup quarterback going into the season even though Jimmy G obviously isn't isn't your run of the mill uh, backup quarterback yeah I, I think those are all all strong calls you have more than me I, I just felt good about calling the Packers that was my best bet last week I, I just thought there was no way uh, that they didn't find a way to win that game convincingly and you know had, had that replay on the Justin Fields uh, no touchdown gone the other way maybe they don't end up covering uh, that big number, but 
Um, you know, I, I think that was a, that was the type of game that we expected to see from Green Bay, and uh, I'm looking forward to breaking down Bucks uh, Bucks uh, Packers. I guess I, I said that incorrectly, but uh, going to be a shockingly low scoring game, I think, between uh, two Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers led teams. Now that we have two weeks under our belts, uh, who have been the biggest surprise teams for you uh, relative to what your expectations were coming into the season? And these could be either good or bad surprises. So I, I think, you know, it, it wouldn't have shocked me one way or the other that, that the Lions were one and one after two weeks. But I think the way that the offense looks is so impressive. Um, you know, I figured that the, the Lions path to success this year was going to be, you know, just playing hard for 60 minutes and, you know, no glitz or glamour, just kind of like playing good, hard nosed football. But no, they've scored 35 or more points in, in both games, you know, against the, the Eagles and the Commanders, respectively. Uh, the offense looks like it's clicking the offensive line, all the investment that they've made uh, along that front. It, it really s- seems to be paying off. And then, you know, like. Thankfully for, for me, as a uh, frequent Amon Ra St. Brown drafter, that dude looks like something else. And I saw he was he was clowning on um, Diami Brown, you know, because yeah. famously in Hard Knocks, he was he was um, you know listing all the receivers that got drafted in front of him. And I didn't think it was that crazy at, at, during that draft for a lot of those guys to be going ahead of him, but uh, he clearly fell way too far. And and yes, I mean this uh, this Lions team. It, it kind of goes back to Jared Goff in, with the Rams. Like when everything else was working, Jared Goff can look actually pretty good. So um, that we're starting to see that formulate there in Detroit. Aiden Hutchinson looking good. So I, I do think that, you know, I wanted the Lions to be good, but I, I, I had to try to be skeptical just based on the, the long, long track record of them uh, really you know, being one of the bottom feeders in the NFL. But I, I'm excited for the Lions to be to be competent uh, this season. I'm excited for their game against the Vikes. And then the Titans, like I, I definitely had the sniff out for them being one of the potential, you know, every, every year there's teams that, that make the playoffs the, the previous year that, that don't the following. I, I felt like the AJ Brown loss was going to be huge, but I didn't think it'd be this bad. And it doesn't totally shock me that they got blown out by the bills, but uh, you know, we're, we're talking starters getting pulled in the third quarter, like like an Alabama game or something like that was that was really really uh, embarrassing for them and I just don't really see it getting a whole lot better I think we're going to see uh, the the Malik Willis quarterback controversy start to come in here not too far from now and I think that he's going to struggle too but I think Ryan Tannehill is basically going to play his way out of the job I didn't see that coming and uh, you know their, their loss to the Giants too was also bad and them losing you know, kind of via gutsy, the type of gutsy coaching that usually we're, we're used to seeing on, on the Tennessee side with, with Mike Vrabel, it happened to them. They, they got a bit of a, a spoonful of their own medicine. But long story short, I, you know, I didn't think it'd be this bad for Tennessee. I, I thought that the like they at least had like a six to seven win floor. They just didn't really have a high ceiling. But like th- this could be a, a really, really bad season for them. Yeah, I, I think we're going to find out a lot about the Titans. We're going to find out a lot about the Raiders in that matchup in Nashville this weekend. I mean, if the Titans fall to 0 and 3, like the thing is, you know, they could be sitting at like two and seven and be like two games out of first in the AFC South. That's the thing is like, they're never, I don't think the season will feel like a true disaster until much later because the Colts look like a disaster. Uh, you never know about the Jags. I mean, the Texans are winless as well. So it's going to take, you know, a true bottoming out, I think for Tennessee to really be out of the mix, but the thing with them too is not only you know did they blow that game in week one, you get absolutely shellacked 
in week two, but now you have injuries as well. You know, you lose your left tackle in Taylor Luan. You got injuries all over the defense. They lost Bud Dupree. Um, they're banged up in the secondary. I mean, it's it's going to be a long road uh, for the Tennessee Titans if they don't find a way to win at home against the Raiders. I have the Colts on my list. I mean, they are they've been basically the worst offense in the league so far. I was completely wrong, and and a lot of people were too. I'm, I'm not I'm not alone in this one. I need I need people to back me up here. The, I I've basically said you know at certain points that people dig into the Roadwire uh, archives that that like Indianapolis not the worst uh, like you know. Five bucks Super Bowl favorite. Or, right. uh, I think we Super mentioned Bowl that on the future. first yeah. on the first episode of this pod a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I love that bet. That's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they look awful. I, I think my one of my worst calls was thinking that, you know, Matt Ryan would avoid a lot of the just obvious mistakes that doomed them last year with Carson Wentz. And like the reason you bring in Matt Ryan is more than anything to raise your floor, to make sure that you don't lose to the Jaguars when you need a win in the mm-hmm. final week of the season, to make sure that you're not down 20 to three against the Texans in week one to make sure you don't get shut out by the Jaguars in week two. So, you know, that's been a disaster. I think with the Colts, I just, I was, I was kind of willing to give them a pass for the lack of talent at receiver and at tight end. And that's, that's been a huge issue so far. We saw without Michael Pittman. I mean, they had nothing on offense. Matt Ryan was lost from the start of that game. And, you know, defensively they've kind of been a mess as well. So to me, that's probably the, the number one team I was wrong about. Cincinnati's on my list. I, I'm still not convinced that Cincinnati's bad. I think they turn it around. I feel a lot better about where they're going to be four, five, six weeks from now than I do a team like the Colts. Um, I, I, sh- I guess I have to put the Giants on the list. In, in no world did I think they would be 2-0. But, you know, the opponents haven't been great. I, I do think this thing comes crashing down uh, at some point. I've not been impressed whatsoever with Daniel Jones. I think he looks as rough as he ever has. And the last one, I mean, the Denver Broncos. I thought this team was going to be... Uh, maybe, maybe like a borderline wagon, not a full wagon, not a, not a Conestoga, but you know, a, a radio flyer type of wagon. Like you'd, I, you'd I be really happy thought, with it in Oregon trail. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, strong, sturdy wheels, you know, you're not going to have to be like, you know, repairing it and like dumping things out to lighten the load. Like I really thought they were going to hit the ground running. I was, I, I was team Russell Wilson still has some left in the tank and you know, much like Cincy, I, I do think there's enough talent on this team that they'll figure it out. And a lot of their wounds so far have been self-inflicted. They're also one and one, you know, they're not 0 two. They found a way to win, but I'm also of the belief that if they played any other team other than maybe the bears last week, they probably are 0 two right now. I mean, it mm-hmm. has been, it's been an unmitigated disaster coaching wise, you know, they're yet to score a touchdown in the red zone. And they're another team like Tennessee that, you know, they're struggling and they're also losing important players every week. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Judy goes out la- last week. They- they've lost some key pieces along that defense. Um, I-, I saw a uh, a heat map early- earlier this week uh, of Russell Wilson's, like, passing chart. And, like, you know, he's either going deep down the left sideline or he's dumping it off. And th- there's, like, yeah. no in-between. And when you have the amount of, w- at least what I believe to be talent in-, in the tight end room there, get the middle of the field going. Like, get it operating. Um, Albert O, like, he- he's talented I, I think probably there's some people that, that roll their eyes but he is a good player like get him the ball like up the seams especially when you're so monochromatic otherwise where it's like it's either Sutton down the left sideline or the play is basically busted you need to have more viable routes going each time out and, that, and that's you know that's on Hackett and you know it, that thing, things seem to have already soured you know the the fans like loudly calling down the the uh the play clock uh, during the game against the Texans, 
Uh, now the microscope is really on them again this weekend with, with that game being a, a Sunday nighter against a, an actually good uh, 49ers team. At, um, and it's going to be in Denver. So that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, to me, that's probably the single most interesting game of the week that that has plenty of interesting games. Um, let's talk about the Lions in week three. And of course, we'll be looking at the Lions via the Bet MGM Sportsbook. Uh, and as always, you can use our promo code BETROTO at BetMGM.com or on the BetMGM app. John, which lines to you are a little too high right now? As you, as you kind of do your analysis, you and I both write a picks article each week. You can find those uh, over at rotowire.com. But which lines to you do you feel like are, are too high in favor of one team? You know, this was a tough uh, prompt to answer this week because last week we had multiple uh, two-score type of spreads. This week, pretty much everything is seven or under, so it's a, it's a lot tighter this week. I think the expectation is that these games will be a lot closer. Uh, and, you know, when the expectation is like that, I'm sure that we are going to end up uh, seeing some blowouts as a result. But, you know, the, one of the big numbers that, that stuck out to me, and maybe this is just uh, because of how impressed I am with the Dolphins, not to say that I'm not impressed by the Bills, but Bills playing on the short week, Going down to Miami, I think uh, betting them to win by a touchdown or more against a Miami team that I think is going to give them, you know, everything it has. Um, that one stood out to me as being a, a bit uh, too high. So I, I do like the the uh, the Dolphins to to cover that number, but really that that was the only one that felt like, nope, nope, that that's that's too many points. Maybe you could also say uh, the the Chargers going up against the Jags, um, but. You know, if Justin Herbert's fully good to go, then, you know, that, that's a different story. I mean, that, that line has danced around a good bit. That was that was at 10 points when we were talking a week ago, dropped down to nine. And now, now it's seven after, you know, in terms of the chain of events, Justin Herbert gets gets that rib injury at the end of the game. It drops to nine. And then the, the Jags impressively shut out Indianapolis and, and then it, it goes down to seven. So that that's a tricky one as well. The Chargers line is just impossible to me yes. this week I, it's I, we, there's so many variables I, I was just reading now you know Corey Lindsay did not practice today JC Jackson did not practice today JC Jackson also looked terrible uh, in some ways I thought lost them the game uh, mm -hmm. with a few awful plays against KC on Thursday night football that was a situation I think where you're like you you want your star cornerback back but I, I maybe he came back too early I don't know if he was a little rusty um you know but getting burned by Watson on that long tight end that was uh that was a rough moment for JC Jackson, but yes, I, I just, I don't know how to attack that, that game at all. I obviously it's a stay away until we know what's up with Justin Herbert, but the big thing for me is, okay. I, I think the expectation in general is that Justin Herbert will end up starting this game. He'll, he'll likely have the big, like Jamarcus Russell QB jacket going, mm -hmm. but I, that can only do so much, right? I mean, you got Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker coming off the edge. Like what if he takes a sack or even just takes a hit after releasing a throw early in the fourth quarter? I mean, I, this feels like to me an injury that could be aggravated really, really easily. And I know he, he stayed in the game late against KC and still made some big throws, you know, got us the cover in that one. But he also had that third down and one where it looked like he was just going to, you know, kind of walk his way to a first down. And like he couldn't even get his body across the first down line and kind of had to just, you know, kind of sheepishly throw the ball away because he, he was in so much pain. So even if Herbert starts, I think a lot of people are going to jump on the Chargers. I think they'll be a popular survivor pick. I would just be worried that he starts the game and doesn't finish the game. Right. And then, you know, uh, lo and behold, you, you'd be asking the most decorated backup quarterback of all time and Chase mm -hmm. Daniel to, to throw more than a handful of passes 
and that's not his bag. Like his, no, his bag not. is collecting the bag. His bag is, is just hanging out there, uh, being a, a short squat fella with a big chin and just be, always, being always a the backwards rock. hat, but it's, it's a fitted hat, you know, very uh -huh. like 2009 type of look. Big time. Yeah. Big yeah, time. He's got, he's got a lids like black card. <laughs> Nothing to add there. That that's the perfect <laughs> no summation notes. of of one of one Chase Daniel, very yes. very Mizzou quarterback. But uh, yeah, so that 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 could be dicey. And, and yeah, there therefore I don't like generally if if this was Herbert 100, percent I think the line would be we would be different. But in a week that where Survivor kind of a, as a byproduct of what we were we're talking about here, where there there are just so many funky matchups with bad teams going against bad teams, that that type of thing. Um, you know, the Chargers would be really popular, but it's hard to back them th this week. And, and uh, speaking more on uh, Survivor for, for a moment, uh, you know, the, the Bengals, I know we were talking about them. They, they've been like the Survivor wreckers, right? Because they, they were a really popular pick in, in week one. And then last week, if you survived week one, which was total carnage, I think a lot of people and and not complete, you know, without reason, uh, picked them to go into Dallas without Dak Prescott and get the win. And they, you know, obviously were unable to do so. Um, so that, yeah, just a, a side comment that the the Bengals and Survivor have been a, a, a tricky mix uh, this year, to say the least. A, a lot of a lot of uh, collateral damage from them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, uh, I, I have the Vikings as being a little bit too high. I know they're at home. Uh, I, I'm totally fine with not reading too much into that Monday night game against the Eagles. I, I thought that was just one of those games where like Jalen Hurts played like the best game I've ever seen him play, especially mm -hmm. as a thrower. I mean, the Eagles offense was just clicking all night and that one could have been worse. I think if not for some sloppy plays in the second half, it was just a classic, take your foot off the gas second half by, by the Philadelphia Eagles. But I also thought Kirk Cousins didn't look quite as bad. You know, obviously the three picks were, were disastrous, but he was alternating between throwing like extremely impressive throws into extremely tight windows and then throwing like three of like the duckiest interceptions you'll ever see. Yeah. Uh, but that's what you get on the road at night with Kirk Cousins. Um, I, I just think it's a little bit of a lack of respect for the Lions offense. You know, I mean, they, they've scored about 35 and 36 points through two weeks. They lead the league in total explosive plays. They have 19 plays uh, that have gone for 10 or more yards uh, through either on the ground or through the air. Uh, so I, I understand their concerns about the Detroit defense. I could see this being a high scoring game, but I, I think Detroit keeps us close. I think they feel like they're rolling offensively. And, you know, again, the defense is a concern, but I, I think the number one thing that's impressed me with Detroit is the way that they're just consistently able to generate these explosive plays. Like DeAndre Swift was allegedly hurt last week and he's still ripping off 50 yard plays. Mm -hmm. he, he scored a touchdown on a play where he had the ball and his, and his back was on the ground. And, right. You know, so, I mean, it, even when he's literally uh, not, not on his feet, uh, a threat to score. Um, so, you know, with, with that in mind, you know, that, that game does have, I think tied for the, the highest total of the week at 53 and a half. Is it, is that too high for you? Uh, I don't know, man. It's no, it's not too high. No. I, I mean, I, do they get there? I don't know. It, it's, it's set at that number for a reason, but um, no, I, I think it's about right. I mean, I, I think the Vikings offense is definitely better than what we saw against the Eagles. I mean, all three of those cousins interceptions, two of them came in the end zone. One of them was picked off at like the 10 yard line. They had the big drop by Irv Smith, a touching mm -hmm. tribute to Christian Watson. Um, so that, that game, honestly, for the Vikings reminded me a lot of the Packers game against them in mm. week one. I, I, I don't follows. think that's their, yeah, right. I don't think that's their true identity offensively. I think both these teams can score. I mean, this could very easily be 
you know, a, a 33 to 31 type of game. I, I don't think that's out of question whatsoever. The thing we know about the Lions is whether they're up or down, they just keep coming. You know, I mean, they'll, they're, they're going to look for chunk plays no matter what. Um, and then, you know, they're like we saw against the Eagles. They look like they were dead in the water and almost found a way to come back uh, and steal that victory in week one. I also think the total in Houston and Chicago, this is on the complete other end of the spectrum. I think this is too high. Uh, it's at 40. I think the total should be somewhere around like eight, nine, something like that. You know, and then, <laughs> yeah. then that becomes a decision. Like how are Awful these presumptuous getting... that there's going to be scoring in this game? <laughs> yeah. It, it, the total could be like two and a half. And I would think about it. Um, <sighs> yeah. Two safeties. I don't know. How are they getting to 40 points? Tell me that. Oh, I just busted plays. Um, I, Maybe this this is uh, my brain being poisoned by the amount of uh, like football chats I'm in with Bears fans, but they they yeah. seem to think that Kyler Gordon is like the worst uh, player to ever step on the on the on a football field. So if the Texans just target Kyler Gordon, yeah. then we might be able to see uh, forty points. But um, you know, I think we just have to take heart in the in the fact that the the Bears simply will not let Justin Fields throw the football more than like twenty times. So um, that when you limit your best player and, and you just seem to be disinterested in seeing whether the guy that you spent a first round draft pick on at the most posi- important position in football uh, can actually do it. Uh, you know, that there you go. The, the bears like to keep that a uh, restrictor plate on their, on their, on themselves. And I think that that, that helps when the Texans of, of course will, will not be scoring much either. All right. Let's talk about a couple lines that are a little too low this week. And I, I had a hard time, as usual, I feel like this is this one of the two is a little bit harder uh, to find some candidates. But uh, what's the one line to you that sticks out as just being a little too low based on the matchup? Um, I I do think the Rams uh, line is, is a is a bit low. I think that you know it's understandable that that it's three and a half, not not four and a half. But at the same time, I, I do feel like the Rams win this one fairly comfortably. I know that they they lost a game to the Cardinals uh, last year, but won the other two. I just, despite what happened in Vegas last weekend with, with the Cardinals, I still simply cannot believe in them. I, I still think that, you know, with, with James Conner being being dinged up, uh, them being a, a little bit one-dimensional going up against this this Rams team on, on offense, and I think the Rams kind of found a bit of their offensive mojo. They, they just kind of needed a slump buster against uh, the Falcons to, to get things going, but I think that that continues this week, and I, I think that, you know, any sort of – home field advantage that, that might be baked in here as, as far as the Cardinals and keeping this line low. Um, I don't think it's going to end up mattering on Sunday. And I think the Rams win this one a little bit more comfortably than, than what the three and a half suggests. Yeah. It feels like this is going to be the uh, kind of uh, completely blanking on the term, but it, we're going to find out about the Cardinals. How we put it that way this mm-hmm. week? I, I, I was pretty convinced that they were terrible after week one. I was still very much convinced of that after two quarters in week two, and then we see Kyler Murray, you know, almost single-handedly win that game against a Raiders team that now I don't know if, if they're any good. So I think the Rams are a good test. I, I think I think we're maybe a little low on the Rams based on them letting Atlanta get back into that game in week two. But to me, that that took some flukes. You know, you got a block punt. Uh, that you know mm-hmm. they took a safety at the end of that game that that tacked on two more points for Atlanta and the Rams like. The way Sean McVay plays, like he's, it always feels like they're leaving some points on the board. Like they're, they're they make things a little more difficult than they need to. Um, and obviously, it worked out for him last year, so you can't criticize him too much. But um, you know, and the other thing too, Stafford has what five picks already through two games, so they've, mm-hmm. they've thrown away some opportunities. They did that last week. I, I think they'll be just fine against Arizona. And it's it's hard not to think back to that last time these teams played 
in the wild card game last year, which I would say was probably the worst game of Kyler Murray's entire life. I mean, going yeah. all the way back, I, I don't know how he, he probably had a game in like third or fourth grade where he might have struggled, but yeah, certainly um, not high school, like yeah, undefeated he, in high school. I don't know if you heard about that. He did not lose a game in high school, had a successful college career as well, John. Mm. Uh, but that was, I mean, you know, that one to me, it's, it's hard to, to get that out of your mind. Um, so I, I like the Rams even on the road, but this is, this is one of several games where if the home team was the away team, it would feel like almost a lock, but you know, all the games that you're, you're just about ready to go all in on, you're like, ah, eh, they're on the road. I, I don't quite know. Uh, a couple lines to me that are a little too small. I don't think we're giving enough respect to the chiefs. And I will acknowledge that, you know, they, they probably should have lost that game to the chargers. There were some, some questionable calls, you know, Patrick Mahomes had like five throws that very easily could have been picked and were not. Uh, you get a little bit of luck with the hundred yard pick six, um, but five and a half. I, I understand it. I get it. Uh, Colts are, are, are kind of a, a wounded animal at this point. They're backed into a corner, but the Colts have given us no reason to believe that they are a good team at this point. And you know, you're coming off of like barely being able to move the ball against the Texans, not being able to move the ball at all against the Jaguars. And now the Chiefs aren't even getting six points. I, to me, that's, I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit low. I, this line could be Chiefs minus seven and I wouldn't blink an eyelash. No, no, I, I wouldn't either. I'm, I'm surprised that, that it's settled in wh- where it has. Um, you know, I, I just got to think that, that there's deference to, to, like you said, the, the wounded animal looking for its, its first win uh, in week three. You know, that they don't and they're at home. This is their first uh, home game of the season. So maybe, maybe there's something to be said uh, for that. But I mean, the, the Chiefs longer layoff. And I just I feel like that there's just no offensive like if if the Chiefs get any rhythm on offense, I don't think that uh, the Colts have the horses to to keep up with them on, on offense, even if Michael Pittman is back. I think that this is still an offense that's limited. Uh, it's a team that's built on on just kind of winning lower scoring games. And I don't think the Chiefs are, are going to be particularly amenable to, to that type of setup. So, yeah, I, I like the Chiefs here by by a good bit. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Uh, and we'll use this uh, as, a, as kind of our way of talking about 49ers-Broncos, which, uh, as I said earlier, I think this is the game that I'm most looking forward to watching uh, this weekend. 49ers minus one and a half. Uh, they're at Denver, so you got to keep that in mind. But much like Indianapolis, Denver has given us very little reason to believe that they are a good team right now. They're, they're super banged up. Uh, I mean, San Francisco technically on his backup quarterback, but I think a lot of people would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo in there than Trey Lance. I mean, their Super Bowl odds moved. Uh, they got lower after the Trey Lance injury. There's not many teams that could say that, that you lose your starter and your Super Bowl odds improve. Uh, should the 49ers be favored by more than one and a half? I'd say yes. Yeah, I think that, that that's it. That's a good circling uh, of this of this number. Um, you know, the, the Niners are just so solid. Uh, you know, I was talking to Mario Puig on, on the NFL pod. He thinks that the Niners top to bottom kind of have the best defense uh, in, in the NFL. And D'Amico Ryans does a really good job uh, with, with coordinating that there, there's obviously a ton of talent at every single level of that defense. So it's really complete. And, you know, it obviously hasn't netted them as a Super Bowl win yet, but Jimmy Garoppolo can certainly like operate that offense at, at a, at a very high level. Um, if they get, get George Kittle back that adding him to the mix along with Debo Samuel, along with Brandon Ayuk. Uh, that that's a good offensive core that that they have there. So um, love the love the Niners side, and I think that you know they they are definitely 
a contender to, to win the West, even though that that's one of the tougher divisions in the NFC. I, I do like their chances. Whereas like you said, the Broncos just seem like a mess. Um, a lot of the injuries. And I, I just think that the coaching advantage uh, on the side of San Francisco here is so extreme. And you don't really get it all that often in the NFL, but w- when you do, I think you need to kind of like really focus on it. And I, I think that Hackett is proving to be like, the type of coach that might almost be a one and done if it, if it stays at, at this um, current trajectory and Shanahan, one of the best coaches in the NFL. So I, th- I think that all of that, all of those factors in mind um, and they're actually not being as far, as far as like re- spread record is concerned, a huge home field advantage for, for Denver early in the season. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I do like the Niners a lot in this spot. Like you said. Yeah, it's hard not to, right? I mean, I, I'm really cognizant of trying not to take too many road teams this week, but it's, it's, it's really tough. I mean, the Broncos have shown us almost nothing, and you know they're already down Justin Simmons. Uh, Pat Sertan was limited at practice today. We have no idea if he's going to play. Jerry Judy did not practice at all today. He could very well miss another week. I mean, it's like if Judy went out early in that game last week against the Texans, but let's say he doesn't play this week. It's like, if you can't move the ball on the Texans, how do we expect you to move it against the 49ers? So I, I do think Denver and Hackett like snap out of this haze that they've been in at some point. They're too talented not to, but it's hard for me to think that it's going to come against the 49ers. I mean, much yep. much like the Colts who are really in need of a win, it's just like a really bad time to have to play the Chiefs or a really bad time to have to play the 49ers. <laughs> not right now. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> all right, so we both won our best bets last week. You had the Texans to cover just an insane call by you. I, I thought that was a really dumb bet. <laughs> That's and a heat knew, check. <laughs> yeah, it was a heat check. And you knew that, that Nathaniel Hackett's like Lynn sanity run of bad coaching would continue. Uh, I took the Packers to cover. So I won as well, but uh, we've decided that, you know, since I lost week one, it, it rolls over. If we both win, uh, I, I need to wait for you essentially to lose one in order for you to take over the read. So let's get to it. I don't know if, if you want right. to go, uh, you know, mow the lawn or do something, uh, head to the store, just come back in 15 (laughs) minutes and we'll pick back up. I got a souffle in the oven. Kick off the new pro football season with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code BETROTO. That's B-E-T-R-O-T-O, BETROTO. And your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. You must be 21 years or older to wager. However, John, if you are in Ontario, the age is 19 or older. New customer offer only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards are issued as non withdrawable free bets or site credit free bets expire seven days from issuance not six not eight seven days from issuance this excludes however michigan disassociated persons please please for the love of god gamble responsibly if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in arizona 1-800-522-4700 in colorado dc kansas louisiana nevada wyoming or virginia for confidential help in michigan Call 1-800-270-7117, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, uh, in Puerto Rico, this is a very memorable number, 1-800-981-0023, uh, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text 
Hope NY in New York. You can call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 in Tennessee or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. All right, we're on the stretch run here. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right. Uh, I always think like the Nevada and New York thing. Like imagine listening to that whole read. You're getting fired up to place your bet. And then the last thing is like, oh, yeah, if you live in these states, you can't even do it. <laughs> I've been I've been waiting for five minutes. Yeah, right. If you live in Nevada and New York, psych. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's look ahead to week three here. We continue. Um I want to ask you this. You have to write off one of the following teams. All these teams are winless. Uh, one of them has a tie. The others are 0-2. Which of these teams are, are you out on? They're, they're not going to recover. Tennessee, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, or Las Vegas? And we, we got you know two of them playing each other uh, with, yep. with Tennessee and Vegas. Uh, that, yeah, that, that's such a huge game for, you know, as far as like setting the direction for the rest of their season. Um, but I think... If it, it is the prompt, if they lose, that then they're then they're finished. Because uh, I think sure, yeah. I mean, it could be it could be based on what you've seen so far. It could be if they lose this week, yeah. Whatever. What, I mean, whichever of these four teams you feel the worst about, essentially. I well, I think the worst potential loss on the board is is Cincinnati. So if they do lose to the Joe Flacco led New York Jets after what what happened to them in um you know in dallas and you know that, that's not even get, getting too far into what what happened against pittsburgh in in the opener it just those three losses are all really bad uh individually and when you compound them on each other three you know three weeks in a row like that, that just that could be like the worst stretch of a, a lot of teams seasons uh you know in in years type of thing and that that would happen to them to to start their afc title defense I would say that um, I would say Indianapolis is is the one that I think is done, but I, I don't think it has as much to do with them losing to the Chiefs. Whereas if the Jets or if the Bengals do lose this weekend, then I think that that the panic button is absolutely out for them. Hundred percent. If you lose to the Jets, yeah, I mean, but it's it's a non-starter. You lose to the Jets. I don't care if it's it's at the Jets. I don't care if it's in Cincinnati. And you start 0-3, I mean, that is a, a panic scenario. And especially after losing to the Jets last year, the way that they got tripped up, uh, this is a better Jets team, I think. Uh, and I, I, I think if you're Cincinnati, you 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 wish that Zach Wilson was under center and, and not mm -hmm. Joe Flacco. Um, I, I don't think the Jets make that comeback uh, last week against the Browns if it's Zach Wilson under center. So that's that's a tough break in some ways. But at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter. You're the defending AFC champs. You, know, you, you shouldn't need uh, something like that. And – Look, if they find a way to lose this game, it's not going to get any easier for a while because you, you get the Dolphins in week four, then the Ravens, then the Saints. Um, you, you do get a, a little bit of reprieve in the Falcons in later in October. But, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're in potential like the season's in jeopardy mode if you find a way to lose to the Jets. So I, I, I'm with you. I think that's the correct answer. Um, you know, with Vegas, like to me, they're the team that I think has played the best of these four. And, you know, week, week one, you kind of give them a pass. You're like, well, they lost to a good team in the Chargers. Mm -hmm. Week two, you don't get a pass for blowing a 20 to nothing lead, but 
you also get some credit. You get partial credit for building the 20 to nothing lead. Sure. No, I, absolutely. So I, I think, you know, if the Raiders lose this week, like then I'm, I'm less confident on, on their ceiling, but like, I, yeah, I'm, I think no matter what, I, I wouldn't completely write them off uh, based on this weekend. Uh, and the, the Titans are also, a, you know, this is a great question. Cause you know, if, if any of these teams lose and that's just, it's such a, tr- uh, just a catastrophic start to their season. Um, you know, I, I went on my Titans rant earlier, but you know, if, if that continues and they, they take another loss uh, this weekend, th- this one at home against, you know, a winless, but a good winless uh, Raiders team, then, uh, you know, you, you start to wonder just uh, are, are the Titans on the clock? Yeah, it could be, it could head that way. I mean, you start to worry about just the quarterback situation in general. I mean, they had a nice run. Did, did they kind of miss their window? Uh, that that's very possible. Um, Let's run through a few more of these games, and then we'll, we'll talk props and Survivor. Uh, we'll hand out our locks, and then we'll get out of here. Packers-Bucks, we've been teasing it the whole show. So many receivers banged up for both teams. I'm looking at a tweet from Rob Domofsky. does a great job covering the Packers right now, and, and he, he tweeted out the full injury report, and it includes Randall Cobb. It includes Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson. All of those guys were either limited or did not participate. I think actually all of them did not participate, and it's even worse for Tampa Bay. Uh, I mean, Leonard Fournette was limited. Russell Gage was limited. Chris Godwin did not practice. We don't expect him to play. Julio Jones, who did not play last week, did not practice. Uh, Rashad Perriman was limited. I mean, obviously Mike Evans is suspended. I, I think we're going to see a really, really ugly, really low scoring game. And, and to me, it's going to be which team can run the ball better. And that's not often what you say in a matchup between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but which of these teams can run the ball better. I, I think that's what it's going to come down to. In our staff picks article, or beating the book, I should say, I, I think I predicted something like 19 to 17 Tampa Bay. Like, I feel like that's the kind of game we're getting here. I, I don't think either quarterback comes away, you know, from this game feeling great. No, it, it's going to be ugly. Um, you know, like, like we talked about earlier in the show, this is a this is a total that's dropped by a full touchdown, and and you know, I think you you have a, a you know a sharp total that you posted um, as far as your final score goes. So, yeah, running the ball is going to be paramount here. And, you know, when Leonard Fournette is is on the injury report and, you know, all of the the key losses that the Tampa Bay has had with its offensive line, you know, you got to be worried about Tampa Bay here. I I think that the Packers are one of my one of my few underdog money line uh, thoughts for for this week. And maybe I'm putting a little bit too much uh, stock in in this Aaron Rodgers team or maybe I'm putting – uh, too much stock in, in terms of my my doubt uh, when it when it comes to the the Buccaneers, but that's a lot for them to be overcoming. Even even at home, I thought that the way that the the Packers ran the ball uh, this past week again it, it was against the Bears, so that you can only take away so much from it. But getting Aaron Jones back on track, and I, I thought like just it, it I felt like with some of the the run calls, it felt like I was watching 2019 Ravens on some of it with with just like. The, the line movement, the, the pulling of the guards, the, the pre-snap motion, uh, the defense is get going one way and the, and the play going completely the other. Uh, I thought there's some interesting, interesting stuff that, that the Packers run game uh, w- was dialing up. And then, yes, it, it's going to be tough with, with what Rodgers has personnel-wise to, to deal with. But, uh, and yeah, I'd love to find s- some stuff on Romeo Dubs. Hopefully we get some, some player props posted on him. Dubs season is upon us, but... Um, yes, I, I really do like the Packers in this setup. Um, I think there's just too much working against the Buccaneers right now. And I think it's also important to note that they, you know, 
defensively, they, they looked really good against uh, the Cowboys in week one while Dak was out there. But offensively, it, it, it was a slog. It was a struggle. I uh, had a missed field goal in there, if I remember correctly. So it's not like they, they were clicking before all of these injuries hit. And now, you know, you're, you're counting on Brashad Perriman or Cole Beasley. Like, uh, you know, I, I think that that's a pretty big problem for Tampa, too much to overcome. I think you could say a, a lot of the same things about Green Bay, though. I mean, even if even if their receivers end up being slightly healthier, I, I think Rodgers has exhibited very little trust. And I think the better defense right now is the Bucs. I think the Packers are, are maybe just as talented, if not more talented. But I think Tampa is the team that's proven to be a better defense so mm-hmm. far. And I, I think this game could end up looking a lot like that Cowboys game in week one, where, you know, it, obviously they, they weren't really able to establish the run whatsoever and it felt like every time Dak dropped back he'd look CD Lamb's covered uh all right we don't know what to do and you could kind of see that narrative unfolding and it, it always feels like when the Packers play the Bucks, they they get they get like out physical they get pushed around that defense kind of seems to have their number Rodgers has thrown three picks in the last two games against Tampa uh it, it's always been ugly and I think Tampa is better prepared to win an ugly game at this point in the season uh let's go Eagles commanders real quickly I, I think Yet another game. If this was in Philly, you'd feel great about it. If the Eagles weren't on a short week, you'd feel great about it. But there, to me, there are just enough variables to make me think twice about the Eagles, who, uh, as of right now, are six and a half point favorites at Washington. So, yeah, that there is a lot that makes you feel a little bit queasy about backing uh, the Eagles this week. But at the end of the day, you just kind of have to take stock of, of where you at, where you're at with with both of these teams and, and where they're at. Carson Wentz, I think, is going to be perhaps a little bit too gassed up to be playing his former team uh, in the in the Eagles, and I think the the, the mistakes that that haven't been there drastically the, the way that we know uh, that they can be for Wentz, I think that they show up this week against the Eagles, and it, I just I think that the Eagles come out and they kind of stamp their their name on being like the, maybe the team to beat in the NFC. So so even though like there there are those like kind of old timey, you know, time tested things like being on the road against a divisional opponent, uh, playing on the, on that short week. I think even despite those that the Eagles are, they are really, really clicking on both sides of the ball. And I think that they, t- they end up taking care of business here. All right. How about Bill's dolphins? Um, you know, we talked about this one uh, a little bit earlier as a line that is maybe a little bit too high and, I do kind of agree with that. I mean, the Bills, like the Eagles, coming in on a short week. You're traveling all the way down to Miami. You got to deal with potential rain. You got to deal with the humidity, the heat down there. Uh, I think that's less of a big deal early in the season when it's warm essentially everywhere. But, you know, the Bills also got banged up a little bit uh, on Monday night. I mean, they, they ended up banging up the Titans uh, a oh, little yeah. bit more. But, um, you know, still dealing with some key injuries of their own. We still don't know if Gabe Davis is going to play, Dawson Knox has been limited and, and some defensive players also banged up for Buffalo. But, uh, you know, I, I think we, we feel totally differently about this game if the Dolphins never make that comeback. But, of course, they did. And, you know, that's, that's part of what happened in week two. With that said, are the Bills just looking too dominant right now that you, you can't picture them getting tripped up here? I'm going to say no. Uh, maybe, again, I, I am drinking uh, the, the Riptide Rush colored Kool-Aid on, on, the, uh, on the Dolphins. Or is, it, is that the the... Gatorade color is closest to the Dolphins. I forget, but either way, keep talking. That that one might be purple. Um, but so sorry to to our Gatorade uh, frost enthusiasts. Okay, yeah. So way way off. Um, anywho, I just this might be my upset call of the week. I think the Dolphins can win. Um, Mm. 
I, I really do. Um, I think the Bills, it, it's not moving off of them as, as saying that they are the Super Bowl favorite. But again, this is their first game on, on a Sunday that, this year. They they, um, they they blew out the Dolphins in September in Miami uh, last year. I think it's a totally different story. I, th- I think Mike McDaniel or Mike McDonald uh, has uh, the Dolphins playing with, with a certain level of swagger that you would hope to see from a, from a team from Miami. Uh, the offense is clicking. I think that whereas the Rams and um, the, the Titans kind of got shook the second that the Bills kind of hit their big play, I think the Dolphins are equipped to punch right back. And I think that, that that's a huge thing. I don't think the Bills have really faced any adversity in any of their games yet this season. I think that this is a big test for them. Not that they aren't battle tested from these last couple of years with their deep playoff runs, but yeah, I, I think the dolphins have a, have a legit shot of winning this game. And I really do like them to cover at the very least. You could talk me into the cover. Uh, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you on anything that you said. I think that's all correct. I will say if they fall behind by two touchdowns again, I don't like their chances to come back against this Bills team. I, I like that type of game can't happen again. I think they need they need to go punch for punch with the Bills from the start and and right. probably even build a lead early on. You know, you can't be throwing multiple picks in the first half and expect to repeat uh really any sort of comeback on this Buffalo defense. But if they could do that early on, then then yeah, absolutely. Um let's go to Raiders Titans. I, I just feel like I'm I'm walking to a slow death here. <laughs> uh, I, I really, I really want to take the Raiders. They're on the road uh, yet again. Um, another game where if this was in Vegas, I would feel really good about it. I, I just think this is a, it's such an obvious, Oh, you thought we were dead type of game for, for Mike Vrabel and the Titans. But at the same time, I mean, a, a lot of key injuries on that side and, you know, much like the Colts, like they've just looked bad. They've looked bad. Like if you're picking the Titans, it's just, it, you know, you're asking them to show something that they haven't so far. Right. Uh, you know, they, they've always been a bit one dimensional, but, but then at the same time, like they still at, at the very least had Corey Davis and AJ Brown as, as your threats when you overload the box, but the, when the run game isn't working and, and, you know, if they, if they get into a spot where they have to play catch up again, and you know, the thing that works best for their offense is Derrick Henry, that you got the clock working against you all of a sudden. I don't. I don't think that this defense holds up against the the sheer depth of the of the weapons that the Raiders have. I, like you said, you know, it feels like a very public pick. But you know what? Everything that I've said about the Titans and and talked through about the Titans, like I am ready to to throw dirt on the Titans. So I'm going to continue to do so here. Uh, the Raiders, hand me the shovel. Let's go. All right, I love it. And we have an update on the Gatorade situation, by the way. Gatorade Gate, Arctic Blitz appears to be the Dolphins colored Gatorade, Arctic Blitz. Uh, we also Arctic have Glacier Blitz. Freeze that it's a little more blue tinted, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it, it could go either way there. Ar- Arctic Blitz, probably a little bit past my peak Gatorade uh, yeah. time. So I, I think that the second one that you mentioned, it w- was the one that was coming to mind. Yeah. Arctic Blitz, one of those, like one of those, like, you know, Gen X uh, flavors or what, what's after millennials? Uh, Gen Z. Gen Z. The, the okay, Zoomers. As soon as I said that, I didn't think that was right. Yeah, it's Gen Z Gatorade. Um, let's go to some props, some survivor talk, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Uh, reminder, use our promo code BETROTO on the BETMGM app or BETMGM.com if you're throwing in any prop bets this weekend. Uh, let, let's just rifle through some of your favorite mm-hmm. props. Let's go rapid fire here. All right, so my favorite props for this week – uh, I like love a couple anytime touchdowns, Travis Kelsey and Drake London in particular. Drake London, I, I think he's going to come in close to two to one. 
uh, for his anytime touchdown. Love the way that he looked in week two. I think that continues against this Seahawks team. Uh, Justin Fields under 25 and a half pass attempts like that one. I, I know it feels a little bit chalky, almost too good to be true. But, you know, until we see otherwise, we just got to figure that the Bears aren't going to let him throw all that much. I like Lamar Jackson to go over 217 and a half passing yards. Uh, again, the, the Ravens just simply cannot run the ball. He's going to have to throw it and therefore over 217 and a half. And then I like Brees Hall over 44 and a half total yards. He, he eclipsed that number last week. Although it's important to note his snap count really dropped off last week, but he performed well. So I've, I think the snap count comes back up this week and he tops that 44 and a half number. All right. I like it a lot. I like the Brees Hall one, especially. Uh, I got Joe Burrow over 23 and a half completions uh, against the Jets. That's at plus money. Uh, I, I think you know, I like Cincinnati to win. I like Cincinnati to cover, but you could also see them once again, starting off a little bit slowly and, and really needing uh, to lean on the passing game to win that game. And Burroughs had 24 and 33 completions through his first two games, a ton of attempts, you know, completion percentage has been fine. They just haven't been ripping off the yardage. Uh, I have adjusted fields one as well, under 176 and a half passing yards. Uh, you're getting that at minus 115. It's 115 either way. I, I mean, I would take this at like 150. Uh, I just don't see either of these teams that the bears or the Texans really doing a whole lot offensively. Uh, Joe Flacco over 77 and a half pass attempts. I love that one this week. Um, and Aaron Jones under 52 and a half rushing yards against Tampa Bay. Uh, that was at minus 118 over at bet MGM. I, I think Aaron Jones can have a decent game, but I, I think it's going to be a mixture of running and receiving. And I, I just, I don't see this Tampa Bay defense giving up a ton on the ground to green Bay. I, I think maybe Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon can combine for around 100 yards, but I don't see Aaron Jones, you know, having a great game on the ground. I think it's going to have to be done through the air. Uh, any qualms with any of those props? So, w would you go? Would you try to target, uh, see the line for a total yardage prop for Aaron Jones? If you think that, you know, it, maybe the run game isn't going going to be there for him, but you know, with, with all the pass catching injuries that the Packers have, maybe he's a little bit active enough in that facet of the game that may, maybe you like his total yardage prop instead. Yeah, I'm trying to dig that up as we speak. Aaron Jones, 85 and a half total that yards. Feel, that, that, that still feels high. I, I know, I feel it's like a little too high. It's th a little too this high. is like a, a, a 50 receiving or a 50 rushing, 30 receiving type of game for him. Yep. Uh, we'll have to vault that if that ends up being exactly correct. Um, it, so Flacco over 77 and a half passing yards or pa uh, pass attempts. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I thought I stuck that one past you. Though. Is that an alt total? <laughs> yeah. Where can I get... I can get that at BetMGM. Unbelievable. Yeah, I teased Flacco up to 77 and a half. Past the it's at like plus 20,000. Next, um, next but, week, we're both going to be wearing monocles yeah, and well, broadcasting from wait. the beach. Yeah, you just wait until Flacco's at like 59 of 88 uh, in that game. <laughs> Who's um, laughing then? Everyone. <laughs> uh, let's talk some Survivor. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like in some ways, this is not quite as difficult of a week for Survivor, and we'll have to clip this like when, when my pick inevitably loses. Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like for spread picks, it's a nightmare. Uh, for pick'em leagues, things like that, it's a nightmare. But I, I, I like KC. You know, they, they have over a third of the picks right now in Yahoo Survivor leagues, almost 35%. I think they get it done. I mean, it, it's, it's easy to imagine Indianapolis hanging around, backs against the wall at home. But I, I don't see Indianapolis winning that game outright. You could talk me into the cover, uh, but I, I don't see that happening. And the team that I'm going to be on in Survivor, in the Rotowire Survivor League, I'm going Cincinnati. I, I've, this is like the fourth time I brought it up. 
They, they can't lose this game. They just can't. They, they certainly better not. Um, so, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, my logic is they can't. And, and you know, even if Joe Flacco is, is throwing it 100-plus times uh, on Sunday, you still got to like the, the Bengals bouncing back. So I am, I am lightly considering the Bengals in Survivor as well. I'm going with the Eagles, um, you know, kind of based on what I was talking about earlier. I just think that they're, they're the better team. I know it's, there's some risky uh, elements, division, road game, short week, blah, blah, blah. But the Eagles really are one of the best teams in the NFL, and I don't think that that's just reactionary to Monday night. I think that the, you know they are really solid top to bottom. I will go with the Eagles in Survivor this week. All right. I love it. I love it. I, I do think the Eagles, you know, at some point you know, they're going to get tripped up. I, I, but, you know, you can't, there's really no argument after how well they played, especially that defense. I mean, they're going up against the Washington passing game. That I think is a lot better than we expected. Has a little more, you know, more, more firepower in that receiving core. And even Logan Thomas has looked good for Washington so far, but the Eagles, I mean, the way that they blanketed Justin Jefferson and were really all over that Minnesota passing game on Monday night was impressive. Who are you fading this week in Survivor? Um, so my, my fade, my fade and survivor this week, uh, come back to me on that one. I, I still have been kind of working, working in the mines, oh, trying wow. to, trying to figure that one out. But, um, I, I wouldn't say it, it's, oh wait, no, I know what it is. It's the bills. The bills are the team that I'm fading in survivor this week. They, they don't have like a super high percentage, but, um, I think the people are, I think the, the gas is a little bit too hot uh, on, okay. on the bills right now. And I'm going to uh, save them for another week. Yeah, I'm, I'm not taking the bills either. I mean, they're they're only at about one percent as of right now. Uh, so you know that that one seems like somewhat of a stay away uh, in something this high of stakes. But I'm going to fade the Chargers. They have the second highest mm. pick percentage as of right now. They're hanging around thirty uh, percent of Yahoo survivor pools. People are locking in the Chargers. And like I said above, I, it's just. It's too risky, man. I, I I think there's there's too much risk of a Justin Herbert in-game injury. I mean, there's too much risk of uh, even if he doesn't like truly suffer an injury or re-injure the ribs, like just being affected. You know, it, obviously you you know right in the middle of your body, you can't really do anything without aggravating that. Um, and you know, there's also a chance that the Jags are are just you know much better than we thought, and the Chargers could be prone to off weeks. We've seen it with them before. Um, you know, I I think people are are just closing their eyes and taking the Chargers as if they're playing like a, a bottom feeder team. And maybe the Jaguars do prove to be that they didn't look great for, for a lot of that game in week one against Washington. It, it's totally possible that they just caught the Colts at a good time in week two. But yeah, I, I would not feel super, super confident locking in the chargers. And again, if you want to save the chiefs and uh, you know, maybe save some of the other elite teams, but you got to keep in mind that, I mean, the chiefs have a tough schedule, man. Like they play, uh, you know, what, six more division games, five more division games the rest of the way. Um, you're not going to want to use them likely in those weeks. So I don't have a problem burning a team like KC this week in what feels like a really advantageous matchup. The time has come, John. Best bets. Uh, what is your favorite bet against the spread this weekend? What are you locking in? I'm locking in the Niners on the road as favorites. I'll do it. I, I will I'll eat the chalk there. Um, and and I, I know it's risky, but um, I just – I love betting against Denver right now, and I'm going to continue to do so. Uh, one and a half, basically, they just have to win the game. I think they do it, and uh, you know, I think they do it by a field goal plus. So I will, I will take uh, the Niners. I was uh, a game that we, we, uh, you know, kind of smartly for content purposes st steered clear from Saints uh, Panthers. 
I kind of was thinking about the Panthers though as my as my other best wow. bet. I uh, I just I why are they home underdogs? Like they're they're both terrible teams. Jameis Winston throw, turns the ball over a ton. Alvin Kamara's dinged up. The the Panthers aren't good, but they I I think that they can at least play at a level that that you know holds serve at home. So I, I'm confused as to why they're the home dog. So uh, secondary but uh, lock uh, like the so the the Junior, lock of the Junior lock. Yeah, so so that's like the the doorknob lock, the the yeah. deadbolt lock is is the yeah. Niners, but but when you when you know when you're closing up shop for the night, uh, the hand, the doorknob lock would, would be the the Panthers. Yeah, everyone knows all you got to do if, if if it's not a deadbolt, just take a credit card, slide it in there, you're good. I mean, it's it's not something that you can really depend on. So I like that. Um, <laughs> not that I've ever done that before. I've you know locked myself out of the house a number of times. I yeah, I, I did not intentionally omit Saints Panthers by any means, but it's just. It's a weird game, and we have a ton of injury question marks for the Saints. That's one that you know, in, in my pick'em league, I'm really struggling with. Like, I, I don't think I'm going to bring myself to actually pick the Panthers to win outright, but I'm keeping it low. I'm keeping it low. It's it's on the watch list. Like the, the Panthers, much like a lot of teams right now, it feels like are one one more loss away from truly spiraling, and they've been close the last two weeks. And, and like you said, the Saints' offense has been uh, pretty awful through the first two weeks of the season, other than that fourth quarter uh, against Atlanta. My considerations for locks uh, to peel back the curtain were Rams over the Cardinals, Chiefs over the Colts, but I'm going with the Bengals over the Jets. All the right. line was at four and a half, then it was at five, then it was at five and a half. Now it's all the way up to six. I would, I would have loved to have locked it in at four and a half, but even at six, I think the Bengals can win this game by a touchdown. I think this is the week uh, that all of our concerns about this Bengals offense, uh, we can start to relax a little bit. I think they come out with a better script to begin the game. That's, that's really what's killed them early on is these slow starts and, and kind of feeling like they're playing from behind. I think we get Joe Mixon going. The volume has been there. Uh, the, the yards per carry certainly have not, uh, but I think that all turns around this week. I think our opinion on the Bengals, you know, their season is saved. They get it done in convincing fashion against the New York Jets. There it is. A, a cathartic win come incoming for mm-hmm. uh, the Bengals. And, and I'm sure Jeff will send you his yes. Bengals uh, stormtrooper outfit afterward. All right, that's going to do it for the NFL portion of the pod. Appreciate everybody listening. We're off to a fantastic start with this podcast. And thank you, of course, to our presenting sponsor, BetMGM, for rolling with us this season. Uh, Again, if you're betting this weekend, make sure you're doing it on the BetMGM app. Go to BetMGM.com as well, and you have to use our promo code. You have to. BetRoto, B-E-T-R-O-T-O. Sign up with that bonus code, BetRoto, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. That is what the kids, I believe, call a rack or a band. Uh, it's a, a lot band. of money. Yeah. A lot of yeah. money out there. Mm. Take advantage of it, friends. Let's talk some college football, Jonathan. We, we got a, a big week ahead of us after a couple kind of felt like down weeks. Uh, you know, we, we had some great, great games in the first uh, week zero and week one of the season. And then, you know, kind of a lot of those cupcakey type of games, warm up games in weeks two and three, but uh, some intriguing ones on the schedule this week. Wisconsin is at Ohio State. I, I have my clown makeup ready. I'm prepared for yet another beatdown uh, on Saturday night. I, I'm golfing with the boys on Saturday. We're going to try to talk strategy. Like, you know, what can we do to help the team? Uh, mm-hmm. I got one of my best friends is one of my best friends is going to the game. His, his uh, girl, his girlfriend is from Ohio. He's going to the game. He's bringing his parents who are meeting her parents for the first time. And they're meeting 
at the game, which I'm like, I've this never has the makings to... of like a a like meltdown red like a Reddit post like my friend did this and you know <laughs> see exactly yeah it's like a, am I the asshole type of post for, for my parents <laughs> beating up my girlfriend's parents at a game and like they're diehard Wisconsin fans her parents are diehard Ohio State fans uh, so maybe we'll the brandy I'll, I'll was to, out yeah yes exactly I'll, I'll have a report on that on next week's podcast but uh, what are your favorite games to watch this week what what are your favorite gambling leans let's let it rip. Letting it rip here. Um, so one of the few uh, ranked matchups of the week, we got Clemson against Wake Forest. I'm, I'm on the record saying that I do not like this Clemson team. Uh, the, the sooner that they make the that they pull the bandaid off and uh, go to Cade Klubnik uh, over DJU, the better. But I don't know if it happens here. And I think Wake Forest is one of the more fun teams in college football to root for. They're just kind of like a funky little small school. Um, the Demon Deacons. Sam Hartman, uh, awesome player, uh, really fun to watch. A.T. Perry, just a, a massive guy, almost like an ACC version of Drake London. Um, so there's a lot to be interested in here, but I think, unfortunately, defense uglies it up to the point where Clemson ends up covering that 7.5. I, 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 I hate that there's the, the hook there, um, but I still feel strongly that, that Clemson wins this one. If Wake Forest just can't get it in gear on offense, I, I think that Clemson, their power rushing attack with, uh, led by Will Shipley, going to end up being too much. They just kind of end up grinding them out and then, you know, kind of pulling away late. So that's my lean for that one. Uh, Florida versus Tennessee. Despite what we've seen from Anthony Richardson the last couple of weeks, and it's been, you know, really bad. You know, the Kentucky game was terrible. And then South Florida last week, you know, they, the Gators almost blow that one. Now we see them as 11 and a half point dogs on the road against Tennessee. I like I like the Gators. I just I think they're going to be able to to get this not done, but I think that that's that's just too big of a number. Um, I think if they are able to get Tennessee into those hurry up three and outs, that defense for Tennessee is going to get tired. A tired defense trying to trying to tackle uh, Anthony Richardson over and over again, or Trevor Etienne, brother of Travis Etienne, uh, that that could end up uh, being a, a bit of a slog for Tennessee. So I think if the Gators play their game. Uh, get Tennessee off script a little bit, then I think they they end up keeping this one uh, within the number. Um, I do like Ohio State to cover eighteen and a half against the Badgers. I, I hate to say uh, it, but uh, it's just kind of, I think they, just... you're breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> my, uh, you, you can't say that. I'm I like never trust my Ethernet cable, so like I, I'm gonna like actually believe you. And then um, USC versus Oregon State. You know that that's setting up as a really really fun Pac-12 matchup. I. I was able to kind of like get eyes on USC for the entirety of its game against Fresno state last week and came away understanding the hype. Like, but before, you know, they, they wiped the floor with rice and, and all this and that. And you're like, you know, okay, you can do that, but to do it against Fresno state, even though Jake Hayner got hurt, I was super, super impressed by, by USC going up to Oregon state. It's been a, a struggle for them before we've seen them uh, good USC teams, uh, go by the wayside up in Corvallis before. And, and this is the best Oregon State team uh, in a long time. I mean, dare I say, like since the the Jackie's Rogers era, uh, which I believe was an era that that did beat USC, if I remember correctly. Oh, um, yes, so, it did. Yeah, so six and a half points. I think that USC just is that good. Um, I, I think that if I, ha- if I had to rank the, the teams that are, you know, outside your, t- your top three uh, with Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State, 
I probably put Michigan four, and I think USC would be my my number five team. Honestly, I, I really think that USC is kind of something else. Uh, unfortunately, I, I hate the way that they've done it, but you know you, you can't deny it. Um, so I think that they go up and win by a touchdown, Corvallis. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on any of that. I, I was able to to catch most of that Fresno State USC game last weekend, and look, man, I, as someone who's still very nostalgic for the Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, Dwayne Jarrett era. Uh, it's kind of cool to see USC back, at least on offense. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they are electric. They, they got so, and I, I love how, you know, it's, it's always pretty with, with USC, but you have uh, Travis Dye with the mustache, very similar to mine. Uh, he also doesn't wear gloves as a running back. That's yeah, such jarring. a tough look. I love that. Yeah. Jarring, jarring to see it. Uh, Jordan like, Wait a second. What happened? It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mario Williams is awesome. I mean, they, it, it, they're not fully back. They have not earned that status yet. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. They they, they need to do a lot more uh, before we allow them into the back discussion. But they at least look like they're back. They they look like old USC in a lot of ways. Yes, they they absolutely do. So like that that's fun. Um, and I think that they kind of like you know start start to get. Um, it, it's crazy to say against Oregon State, but I, I think that that that's going to be a nice little proving win for them. And then uh, one other stray one. I'm a Maryland guy uh, from there. Like basically my whole family went to Maryland. I like the Terps, the fighting Terps for, for, you know, their, their football program. I'm like always pulling for it. The little engine that could uh, Jim Harbaugh has, for whatever reason, really had an ax to grind with the Terps. Like I think if it's always been at least a four touchdown differential uh, between Michigan and the Terrapins, uh, Michigan only like a 17 and a half point favorite in this one. Love Michigan to cover that one. I think that the, this is a three touchdown minimum game. I think we st- we see that the there's one, at least one every year. Italia meltdown. It's happening this week in the big house. So, um, or it might be in Mary. It's it's at the big house. Okay, then yeah, no, absolutely. Michigan goes ahead and, and kind of cleans house at the big house. Okay, nice little uh, I assume unintentional pun there, but nice work to, to finish things out. Unfortunately, I think you're right about Wisconsin. Uh, Ohio State's wearing the black uniforms. I mean, it's, yeah, that was kind of the, the final nail in the coffin. I think, you know, we're, we're still a day away from that game being played, but I, I don't feel good. I, I think, you know, after the the loss to Washington State, I, I think people maybe jump back on because Wisconsin looked amazing last week against, honestly, what I would say was the worst FBS team I've ever seen in New Mexico State. Like the defense being played in the second half of that game was astonishingly bad. Yeah, no, that you know, I I got a little bit of uh, like delirium watching New Mexico State in Week Zero because that that game was on same time as as Hawaii Vandy, mm-hmm. so I'd be wa- watching college football for like thirteen hours straight, and like I I worked that entire day, like my brain was oatmeal, and the way that New Mexico State looked when uh, they brought in that Gavin Frakes kid uh, against Nevada, I'm like maybe there's something here. I I'm I'm getting a you know little vibes that you know Frakes could be someone that we see playing at a power five school next year, but it's like, Oh no, like the rest of this team is just atrocious. You know what you, what you saw from them against Minnesota and then against uh, Wisconsin, that's who they really are. It's a, it's a Jerry kill outfit. If I've ever seen one, it's, it's bad. All right, my man I had fun chatting with you as always. Best of luck in all your bets this weekend. Best of luck to the dogs. Best of luck to Maryland, I guess. I know you're a dual citizen, uh, yep. you know, throw some luck out there for the Badgers. We need it. Of course. Uh, but looking forward to, to recapping this with you next week. And, you know, uh, a week from now, we'll be on to week four already. Uh, absolutely, man. Looking forward to it as well. And, and yes, uh, let, let's keep it respectable here, Badgers.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.